that last stop action. The Rockets have been really good. Maxi got it. How does that 40 and the foul for the ascending all-star Tyrese Maxi. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by Bet MGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. Courtesy of the call goes to our friends over at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, Joel Embiid's going to be out for any period of time and currently dealing with like a, 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 several injuries. Uh, Nick Nurse was said after the game last night, oh, well, this injury is not related to the other ones. I don't know if that's like better or worse for Embiid that that's what Nick worse. Nurse said after the game. Just Way the, worse. The terrible, right? Terrible, yeah, This degenerative right? knee and then also something else. Oh, oh goody. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's like, Six foot, seven foot, eight foot feet. And your feet are generally not not in a great spot. Your knee's probably not in a great spot. Uh, so if Embiid's going to miss any amount of time, it stands to reason that, you know, like who's, who's, who's going to score a lot for Philly? Probably Tyrese Maxey. And that's why we played that highlight coming back from break. Good job by Jake. And Ken, that'll take us into our conversation about most improved player. So we did NBA uh, most valuable player in the last segment. Just like price most likely to drop in most improved right now, where Maxey is a really big favorite. Minus 225. Uh, Shen in Houston, plus 250. He was awesome. Uh, maybe he won't win now. Scotty Barnes, 12. Kobe White, 18. And we can talk about some other names as well. So is this, is this Ken, like, is it actually like Maxi's going to become like a bigger favorite now? And like, it's bet Maxi now? What about most improved player trying to get it ahead of a move in the market? Yeah, if, you, if we'd had this conversation a week ago, I probably would have said the most likely thing to happen is someone takes Maxi's win probability and Shengun is like by far the most likely player to do that. I think he's a great candidate. He may not so they announced the all-star reserves yet, but like he's playing at that level. So like, I, you know, just because of the way the West works, maybe he gets squeezed out and, but he's still playing at that level. I don't think not making the game would make him ineligible to win. Um, I think people would still think of him really well, even if he didn't play in the game. And the reason why I would have been cool on Maxi and not interested is Embiid back and playing, which has an effect, obviously. And I think more importantly, the idea that the Sixers would seem likely to make a move at the deadline to maybe add another scorer or add another contributor, which would decrease Maxi's usage. So I think it's like, okay, let's see what they do. But I'm not sure Maxi's going to the finish line here as like a big time candidate. If Embiid's going to be back and they're going to add someone, that's going to that's going to squeeze him out a little bit. That's going to make him a little less likely to have these explosive performances. Well, now I mean everything's changed, right? I mean Embiid has this series of injuries, and you're just kind of like, is the most likely move that this ends? You know that he plays really well in Embiid's absence. And now, to be fair, Maxi's missed the last three games with an ankle injury. Nick Nurse said he would be back. I think they play tomorrow, and maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe Maxi misses more time, and that hurts his candidacy. But like, if he comes back and it's hey, Joel's going to be out for a little bit, like it's you. Well, now all of a sudden, like look what happens, right? He's going to get all the credit. They win any games; it's on him. Now, one of the things I I disliked about him, you know, months ago as a candidate, is it's usually not the second banana. It's usually not the guy who's you know just you know scoring a lot, but you know, like CJ McCollum is probably a, a good comp historically, where like Lillard is the best player, but he's like the co best, so he could win he's when he Robin. improves. He's Robin. Yeah, Compared and to like Batman. Robins win this. Robins win this sometimes. They don't. They don't never win terrible sentence but like they uh they do win sometimes they just don't win a lot and if there was a batman somewhere else like shengun 
then that's that makes things a little different. Or Scotty Barnes, like originally, I think would have fit this profile. But now, like, if he gets to be Batman and it, and he gets to do it like in the second half of the season when everyone's actually thinking about this stuff, um, I think it's possible his price really takes off. So it's definitely the Embiid injury. I'll, here's how I'll frame it: the Embiid injury. I had some visions of like, man, we have no polling. What if no one actually likes him for this? Like, that's always the thought that runs through my head. We have no idea how people feel about this market. What if no one likes him? And now my thought is like, well, I can't do that anymore because he's going to look better. He's going to actually have more opportunity. And so, you know, if you have nothing, I mean, I think you have to think about it's a I mean, it's a terrible price to lay. But like, I wouldn't go long shot. I was like really thinking about going long shot hunting in this market. Like, you know, six man, I think a lot of people are trying to do the same thing. And and I can't do that now because now maybe the favorite's not. I thought maybe we had a vulnerable favorite. We use that term a lot. We probably don't have one anymore because he's just going to be the primary scorer on a team that's like going for a playoff spot. And uh, some big stat games could end up following provided he comes back from this injury. Well, I think maybe like maybe the strategy should be Ken. Um, Like, let's let's see how long it let's say Embiid's out for. I don't know. I'll make this up. Let's say he's out for two to four weeks, whatever. And Maxi goes nuclear during that stretch and becomes a bigger favorite. But then, like, Embiid's going to be back. And when's the trade deadline? It's coming up soon, right? Uh, sometime in the next week. Yeah, it's sometime next yeah. week. Yeah. So let's let's say that the Sixers add, they're going to have to add a player, right? If they're serious about contending, if Embiid's going to be out. So they add somebody, but Maxi's kind of the alpha. But then Embiid's going to be on his way back. And let's say Maxi gets out to be an even bigger favorite. Is then the time? And it's a, it's a week from tomorrow. Uh, good job by Alex pointing them out in the chat. Friday, uh, Thursday, February 8th. It'll be while we're out in Vegas. Like it was last year, which is pretty awesome. We did the Durant thing last year in uh, in Phoenix when we were there, which was which was great. Is it wait for Maxi to continue get getting bet out? Embiid's coming back. Try and bet somebody else at that point. Like maybe that's what this is. And I know I created a scenario that doesn't have to unfold like that. But is <laughs> right. it kind of like, yeah, yeah, like it doesn't have to happen like that? But yeah, like yeah. like Embiid's gonna miss some time. He'll come back and then sell Maxi at that point, or or look to buy others at that point when Embiid's gonna come back. Right, and there's a there's a a second like a handcuff to that, right? Which is you need other players that are worth buying. And I think at, especially at that point in the season. You're going to need a player that's worth buying that you know there's some interest in. And this is where we're going to start to like have the trickle of information of people are going to actually start thinking about this a little bit. And when they start thinking about it, they may just decide it's maxi. And then it would be probably a fool's errand to sell at that point. You would just not bet into the market and the favorite's the favorite and he keeps, he keeps getting better. He keeps uh, playing well and that's just how it's kind of supposed to go. So there's nothing worth betting because there's nothing wrong happening or there's nothing that you think wrong. is going to change. Um, but I, I think what the the struggle in this is there just aren't – can't like uh, you know Bill Simmons on his pod last week mentioned Jalen Williams from the Thunder – who's a really exciting second year play, player, obviously, who's part of their success with Holmgren and SGA. And, you know, second year players are really tough to win this. It doesn't happen a lot. He plays on the Thunder, and I feel like that's crushing all of their chances to win some of these things. I, I mentioned SGA, like, not getting a lot of credit with national media. It's not that they, like, don't know he exists or that he's really good, just that the MVP content that was released and even the first Bontemp Strapple where SGA played out of his mind to start the year and got nothing, like, basically no votes, was, like, behind the big two on everybody's ballot, got no love at all. And even at the midseason, like, he's third on everyone's maybe. It's just kind of like, man, like, there's not that buzz that would be my concern with Jalen Williams, who's awesome, by the way. This is not even an anti-Jalen. He's so good. He also hasn't improved into the range that 
Maxi and Shengun occupy, like all-stars that we expect to see on the team. Jalen Williams is like more of a fringe, not an all-star and like that next level, maybe he should be one, not quite the same as the other two players. So there's just no guy you look at and you go, oh yeah, like that's what it is. And, you know, if people start talking about one and there seems to be some genuine interest, sure. But I, I, it feels like the Embiid injury has actually like cooked this market where you, you can't do, you can't bet into it anymore. You can't bet the long shots because now the favorite has a chance to run away with it. You better, you better hear Nick and Ken on a Wednesday. Rick Camp will join us to start next hour. We'll get Rick's thoughts on NBA awards, also his bets for tonight in the association. We'll give you our bets for tonight in the NBA and the NHL coming up at the end of the show in the power hour, the final hour, a little NFL coming up, a little NFL as we move along uh, in the program. Ken, what award market would you like to hit next in the NBA here? Dealer's choice. The new coach of the year. I feel like we'll have more fun stuff to say. Six man would be fun too. Maybe we'll do six man tomorrow because we'll do award market roulette and that yeah, needs its coach- own big segment yeah coach of the year is fascinating right now and i feel like there you sure. can make a case for so many different coaches in this particular market i think this is a really fun one i i totally agree do you want to do you want to read the mgm prices just so people can kind of get up to speed here and then and you get to pronounce your favorite guy's name too yeah um thunder head coach mark daniel uh aka mark dagnalt <laughs> which is like stupid like i mean seriously like what's more fun to say dagnalt or daniel yeah just what, just, what would you like to drink to sir well, I'd like a fine Cabernet, please. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah the, the old, the old, the the the, the, the Blanc. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mark Danio is plus one thirty. Uh, Chris Finch plus two twenty. So the two teams, uh, you know, vying for the number one seed in the Western Conference, the Thunder and the Wolves. Those coaches occupying spots one and two. Um, Dagnalt with the Thunder. Chris Finch with the Wolves. Teron Liu. Oh, I know Ken that you've talked about a lot, maybe for this award with how well the Clippers have played. Ty Liu is at nine. Rick Carlisle of the Pacers at eleven. I think this name's so fascinating, and maybe a wrench is going to get thrown into things when Darius Garland returns. Maybe that happens tonight. But the way the the Cavs have played with all the injuries. J.B. Bickerstaff is 16-1. to 1. Joe Mazzulla of the Celtics became a punchline at the end of last season, and even like the recent Kendrick Perkins lineup like in the, in the Nuggets game, where if you put Joe Mazzulla's brain in a bird, the bird would fly backwards. It was just a stunningly funny line from Perk, who's come on our show, and we love him. I think I'm starting to change my opinion a little bit on Joe Mazzulla. Not saying he's going to win Coach of the Year, I, I, I think he's starting to become something a little bit better. Missoula, 18-1. to 1. Jamal Mosley of the Magic at 20. Will Hardy, uh, Jeff and Matt's brother of the Jazz at 25. Nick Nurse, 28. Fibs of my Knicks at 30. We can kind of draw the line there, but if any other names uh, need to get mentioned, I can kind of I can read them. Uh, and that's the market for Coach of the Year at BetMGM. 68 degrees in Central Park. <laughs> I'm Nick Costos. Uh, I wanted to bring up a schedule real quick just to, because I, I think... Again, like this, this needs to not be what Ken thinks is going to happen at the end of the year. It's like, look, like what's what's coming up, and so what do you think is going to happen? And the problem is, is the that Denver punting this game tonight has kind of like cleared the way. Here's here's Oklahoma City's next five games: home against Denver, which is now a very likely we'll eight buckets here. It's a very likely win because Jokic isn't going to play in the game. They're a big favorite in that game now. Home Charlotte, home Toronto. At Utah, which like is not a, a joke of a game, that'll be a small point spread. Those teams played a really fun game a couple weeks ago that the Thunder ended up winning in Utah by only like a possession or two, which we talked about on the show. At Dallas after that, you'd be curious about Dallas's health. They play second night of a back-to-back against the Kings after that. So it's like, I guess like, you know, if you were going to try to fade Dagnall, would you 
Like, is this the stretch to try to do that? I I really liked trying to fade them, like going into these last two games that they played, and uh, and now like Denver punted the game, which now like kind of wrecks like my theory that I thought the Clippers could overtake everyone over this stretch. Uh, the Clippers, for what it's worth, and that's Ty Lue. I want to do their schedule. We don't have to do all four of them, but I, I think this is the sport. Uh, excuse me, worth mentioning. So the Clippers are at the Wizards tonight. So they're on a, a pretty long East Coast trip right now. Lost the game to the Cavs the other night, who you mentioned are awesome. Uh, at the Wizards, at the Pistons, at Miami, who can't stop losing. At Atlanta, the worst ATS team in the league. Home against the Pelicans, home against the Pistons again. Then they play the Timberwolves on the 12th. Uh, that's their second to last game before the All-Star break. My theory had been that between now and the 12th, I thought they had a really good chance to gain even more ground on the Timberwolves and the Thunder because of this easy East Coast schedule. They get to Detroit twice, um, more likely wins than the other two teams have. And that's why I've been, I pushed Ty Lue on the show a couple of days ago and continue to do so only because like, this is the stretch that it's going to happen. And by the time we get to the game on the 12th against Minnesota, what if the Clippers are up a game or tied with these teams or whatever? Like every, it's like, you know, Ty Lue, I know doesn't get the buzz that the other coaches get. When the standings flip, you'll get the pop out of it. They just haven't flipped yet, and they're very close to flipping. Look at the Western Conference standings. It's been all four of these teams in a jumble for a long time. The flip just hasn't happened yet, and maybe it never happens. Maybe the Clippers are overrated and uh, and aren't going to do this. They've been the best team in the league basically since December 1st. It seems unlikely that is going to just stop unless they have a significant injury. So I, I like Lou. I think his price should be closer to Finch and Dagnolt. My concern is now like the Thunder had a, a loss potentially. They don't have it anymore and the games are pretty easy. It's just, it makes it a lot tougher. I still like buying Lou down to honestly, like right behind Finch, I think is his rightful price. And I think that still can happen, but uh, less confident now than I was before. I want to hit you with three Eastern Conference coaches at longer yeah, prices. Sure. Get your thoughts on them. Well, bigger uh, staff and, we should and, do too if he's not one. Yeah. yeah. I, and I was going to say, like, if you want to include Carlisle in this, I wasn't going to include Carlisle, but we can. Yeah, sure. We've done a lot on Carlisle. So Bickerstaff was going to be the first name. He's at 16 with how well the Cavs have played. And, like, we'll see what happens when Garland comes back. Um, we should talk about, I think, Missoula at 18-1. to If the Celtics have the best record in the league by a couple games. I think the narrative might be starting to change around him a little bit. Could be wrong about that. And we should talk about, and look, like, Thibs won NBA Coach of the Year during the COVID year when the Knicks were the fourth seed and lost to the Hawks in five in the first round, which... Really pissed me off as a Knicks fan. So I don't know if he can win again. But I mean, they're just they're coming off a fourteen and two month, and they're currently the three seed in the Eastern Conference. So what about those those coaches, Ken, in the Eastern Conference right now at longer prices? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Bickerstaff problem I'll address first, or like how to how to solve this, because I got a, a couple notes from people about it. I know over the weekend, and his price did drop because they played really well. Uh, here's my big issue: they won fifty one games last year. Like I project them to win 50 games this year. Their win total in the market is 49 and a half. That represents absolutely zero improvement year over year for a team that's not going to be a top four seed. Probably there's just not a path here that makes any sense. They'd have to even outperform how they're playing right now for that to be like a realistic outcome of all the coaches you mentioned in the East. I actually think that's probably the least likely one I would have to win. All right. More NBA award market conversation coming up next. Ken will give you his thoughts, Coach of the Year, on Joe Mazzulla and Tom Thibodeau. And a little bit dealer's choice. More award market conversation in the NBA coming up next with Nick and Ken. You better, you bet.